Powers Legion Sports Broadcasting Podcast. We're here with uh, Donald and Jorge. Today we're going to start off with our pad- podcast with something that has broken the record book. Judge hitting his 60-second home run yesterday at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. He hit a 60-second, which breaks the record for Roger Maris for most home runs in a single season in the American League, which does not break the record in the league itself, as Barry Bonds, who is one of the most debated home run kings, has the lead with 74. Donald, what's your opinion on this? Well, I definitely agree that Barry Bonds holds the real record with 73, but I believe Judges is more impressive, considering... Obviously, the time period, how good pitching has gone, and um, you know, obviously, offense is also down this year, this year. And obviously, I don't have to say it, but Barry Bonds used steroids, so. Yeah, I agree with Donnie for pointing out the elephant in the room that Barry Bonds was, you know, all juiced up and was in that juiced up era, and that Judge's performance was just, just more. What was the word you said? Impressive. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> just more impressive with how much pitching has evolved and how many times they walked him and he's and the um, what's it called and they've given up hits just for him not to hit a home run. Yeah, definitely. And especially because with the modern day era you have impressive pitchers such as Justin Verlander on the Houston Astros, uh, Alec Manoa who's up and coming and it's definitely impressive for someone who who's in a non-offensive league as it once used to be to break a home run record. On the topic of this, the Yankees have obviously clinched and they are on the bracket for the ALDS, as well as another record being broken on the same day. Garrett Cole with the most amount of single season strikeouts in a in the Yankees with 257, 47, around that number. Which is definitely impressive because Cole could be considered the Yankees ace. In the past he had in the past, you have people like Sonny Gray, who who thinks it will work out as well for him. But Cole, but Cole, uh, but Cole being an ace, being a definitely a dominant pitcher, is definitely good for him to see it. Well, you mentioned Yankees obviously clinched, so let's go on to what we'll be looking forward to this postseason. Obviously, last week we talked about Giancarlo Stanton and how he needs to be. Well, he's got to be good for the postseason. He's obviously the Yankees' best postseason hitter since they got him. And, well, the last time we talked, he wasn't doing very good. But now he's been red hot. I believe he's homered in his last three games, right? So where are you? Or what do you want to see this postseason? Now, I'd definitely like to see him step up into that, into that position where he's you know, he should, he deserves to stay on the team because right now he's batting a 211 average. I mean, he came off an injury, which definitely sucks a lot. And um, hopefully he becomes the, you know, the player that the Yankees need in, in the off season because most times we've fallen short to the, the Astros and I believe the Rays too a couple times. Uh, we don't want that happen again. Definitely, as well as Giancarlo coming back, you have the Yankees considering whether they want to put Rodas Chapman on the on the roster for the postseason. Now, Chapman was con- being considered getting DFA'd by the Yankees, which honestly is something that I'm mixed about because although Chapman has been able to provide for the Yankees this season 
was definitely an off-season MO. And although many players have an off-season, Chapman has not been able to fulfill a good, stable closing role for the Yankees. So what's your opinion on him getting DFA'd or not being on the 40-man at all? Now, I think it's actually really surprising. He, you know he was a stud in his past couple years, throwing some of the fastest pitches, and he was crazy with the Reds and earlier with the Yankees, but he's just fallen a little bit, you know? He's, I won't say falling off. I don't like using that word but like or that phrase, but I think he has fallen off just a little that he's, you know, not the pitcher that he used to be. I mean, I could definitely choose closing pitchers above him, for one, Edwin Diaz, as much as I hate to say it, but that's just one pitcher that I think is just, you know, above the level of, um, what's it called? Arlandis Chapman. Yeah, um, no, it's not really surprising to me. Uh, Chapman really has not been Chapman for like three years now since the trade to the Cubs and back to the Yankees. He's struggled. You've seen that he even lost his closing role to a guy that was on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Clay Holmes. Exactly. So, like, Chapman is not the Chapman we all know. And, like, he still hits triple digits, but now his fastball is really only sitting at 98 to only 100 instead of 102, 103, which is not bad. 101 is still amazing, but, you know, he's not the same guy. His control issues and just gets a lot more injured. You know, it's a great pitcher. It's just sad to see him go down this path. And I don't really think the Yankees see him in their future or even in their playoff run for like the next two years or three years. Yeah, definitely. I have to agree. Now, along with this, we're going to shift over to our cross-sound rivals, the New York uh, Mets. I just want to talk about one more thing. Um, obviously, being the pitcher I'm most excited to see this postseason is definitely Luis Severino. So he's been great ever since coming off the ILN. His last start, he threw seven innings of no-hit. <coughs> no, I said that weird. He no-hit the Texas Rangers for seven innings before being taken out being replaced by Miguel Castro, who gave up that no-hitter. What do you guys think about it? Yeah, it was definitely disappointing for the Yankees having a no-hitter through seven and having the Yankees hit, have a stable lead. So having him being put out because apparently, because apparently they want to preserve his arm for the ALDS, it's something that shouldn't, that shouldn't have been done. <laughs> it was a good choice on the managing side. And coming off a long time, what is it, on the IL, I think it was a, a good choice to take him out, save him while he's still good, because he's going to be a good postseason weapon that, we're, that the Yankees is going to have to use. I mean, there's not much more to say, but it's sad to take him out of a no-hitter, and no-hitter is a great accomplishment, but he pitched actually seven innings a no-hitter, which I think it was still a good choice of taking him out. I think we'll jump to our next topic, um, some more record-breaking since we have been talking about the Yankees. We'll talk about Albert Pujols hitting 700 homers. Now, I think that was really something crazy to talk about. And at the time of recording this, I believe he's actually at 703 homers. 702, 702. I think. No, he's at 703. Oh, and my apologies. He also broke uh, past Babe Ruth for all-time RBIs as well. Yeah, definitely interesting. Uh, Pujols was a is a longtime angel, is a longtime cardinal who who recently just rose up after his let go from the angel 
in the Angels in 2021, a lot of people were doubting that he wouldn't hit hit 700 or even pass a rod in the home run total. But seeing him, but seeing him pass Babe Ruth and a rod in both records for RBIs and home runs, it's definitely something that that's promising to see because Pujol still has life in him. And seeing him go into the postseason with a lead, with him on fire, it's definitely going to be something that I'm personally looking forward to in the National League. Anyway, move on to the <clears throat> NL East. For the National League East, okay. we have... We have a crazy series to talk about that just happened over the weekend. The Mets and the Braves duked it out for the National League East. And the Braves ended up winning a clean sweep of three games. 5-2, to 4-2, two, to two, and I forgot the third score. So while we're finding that, it's definitely, it's definitely something to note that the Braves have clinched the NL East for the fifth year in a row. Back to back to back to back to back. And definitely something else you want to know is that all the teams, especially the Braves, are coming red hot. The Braves are coming off of a postseason victory in 2021. And with a good ro- and with a good lineup and rotation, including Michael Harris III and Spencer Strider, as well as Max Freed, it's definitely going to be something to look forward to. But you also have to consider Kenley Jansen, who's been kind of lackluster this year so so he's facing off with definitely as well red hot teams like the cardinals and the padres if they're able to advance out of the wild card well after the <clears throat> braves swept the mets uh, and took control of the and at least uh, people are saying that the mets actually choked which i just can't agree with the since their ten and a half game lead in June, the Braves went went seventy six and thirty two, which is a hundred and fourteen win pace. The the Mets didn't choke. The the Braves just have been crazy good since that uh, ten and a half game lead. Now on the topic of the Braves and the Mets, it was rumored that there was. A little cheating from the Braves. I don't wanna. I didn't want to say that. I liked seeing the Mets get sweet, swept a lot, but according to some sources, trust me, Brett. Um, what is it? Ronald Acuna Jr. was giving some, giving some base running signs to the to one of the batters that um, he would be tapping his helmet. I mean, that could be anything. That could just be him fixing his helmet for all we know. Which, anyway, the, I remember watching a clip that when he was doing that, the batter still proceeded to strike out on a curveball. So, to be honest, right, as a baseball player myself, I don't really think that's considered uh, cheating, right? You know, in, in the game of sports in general, right, people learn plays and people learn signs, right? I just think that's one of those things where the pitcher and the catcher just has to do better or just the coaching staff in general because stealing stealing signs, right, shouldn't really be considered cheating, right, in that certain case, right? Clearly, whatever happened in the past with other teams, Astros or whatever, right, clearly that's different. But, like, when you're on the bases, right, you clearly, you're clearly going to hear 
and see things from players on the base path, players on deck, right? You know, people, pitchers tip their pitches, right? People catch on to that. People see coaches do signs, right? You can see a bunt sign, you can see a steal sign. Players adapt to this, right? And that's just called a good player. That's not considered cheating in my books, right? You're just a good athlete and you're very, you're everywhere, right? You see everything, you hear everything. So to be honest, it's not cheating. It's just the players being players and them being amazing athletes. Yeah, definitely. I have to agree. For me, seeing the clip, it's definitely more of a fact that it's just the player getting comfortable and him being aware of his surroundings rather than cheating because you wouldn't expect someone to cheat. Not at the end of the not at the end of the season because by then every, the postseason slots are going to be filled and everyone who didn't get to go in doesn't have a chance to go in unless we're talking about game 163 which has not happened in a couple of years so it's definitely a weird conclusion that to think that someone was cheating where but for me and for the rest of the crew here we think that he wasn't cheating moving on we now have the nationals and the mess and and you know a stadium is empty when there's dogs in the stands and this one dog in particular who was in the second deck he caught a Francisco Lindor home run imagine <laughs> imagine you're just sitting in city field you're getting off the seven train you're checking in your to your tickets and all you see is a bunch of dogs walking through the concourse and one of them has gets a new souvenir a new toy per se <laughs> What would be your opinion on that? You just see a dog, any dog. I'll say that's not only unexpected, but maybe a little spectacular. Now, how many times are you going to see a, not alone a dog in a game? Because I'll say I, have not, I haven't seen any dogs in the stands when I've been to Yankee games or Mets games or minor league games. But not only that, to catch the ball and a home run. And we all know the exit velo coming off the bat is about 100, 105. But it dies off a little bit, and the dog still manages to get it. I find that insane. I have to say that he's better than Luis Castillo. <laughs> wow. Mm, moving on, uh, for the second time in a row, the Phillies have clinched their postseason slot. They're going to be in the, in the wild card against the St. Louis Cardinals, who are coming off with an amazing lineup, red hot with people like Pujols, uh, Molina and Jordan Hicks, someone who we haven't talked about at all. He's definitely a great reliever, and I and I hope to see him a lot more coming out of the Cardinals. So, what are your thoughts on the wild card so far, the Phillies and the Cardinals? Um, it's gonna be a great matchup, right? Maybe Philly fans may be scared. Cardinal fans may be very joyous with the team they actually got to go against. You know, Phillies haven't been in the playoffs for what 11, 10 years now. Yeah, 11 years. 11 years, so it's been a while since they've actually been in the playoffs. They have a great team. They have Schwarber, Bang One, you got Hoskins, you got Harper, you got all of these guys. The only like, really scary part for the Phillies are the pitching. Pitching is, has never really been that same pitching since Cliff Lee, since all of them. So, you know, it is, it's been through a lot, right? The Phillies didn't even know if they were going to even make the playoffs. They were fighting for a spot for like the past month now with one team and one team only, so. I think it's also really spectacular. I mean, um, like you said before, they have been fighting for a long time to finally reach that playoff spot. And along with such a fight, 
I believe mm, that. All right. Um, sorry, sorry about that. I was gonna say really that JD Real Mucho, I'll have to say was a highlight of their regular season. He has been doing very good defensively and and offensively too. Um, along with that, I thought I heard that Kyle Schwarber hit 50 homers. Maybe I'm dreaming. I don't know. He's dreaming. Yes, I am. <laughs> but I'll have to say that I think that fight really paid off. The Phillies definitely improved with their their roster and how their team has been playing. So, yeah. Someone else who has improved with their roster is the San Diego Padres, who are... Who are finishing their game 162 against the Giants today, who have obviously uh, not been a great postseason contender for the last couple of years. Usually the Giants and the Dodgers always do get out for the West, and the Giants coming off of a dynasty back in the mid-2010s with their 2014 and 2015 postseason. Uh, World Series appearances. It's definitely shocking to see them uh, definitely weak and and not making the postseason. The Padres, on the other hand, they have they have young talent even without Fernando Tatis, who who's suspended for about eighty days and about like a month or two has passed since he tested positive. And I don't want to get into detail because I'm not biased. But he tested positive for a drug which he didn't realize it was in his foot. Without without him though, the Padres have been doing very well with Trent Grisham, Juan Soto, who was acquired from the Nationals, and Manny Machado. So them and the Mets are going to be duking it out on on this Friday. And the Mets have the home field advantage, so definitely gonna be interesting to see how much how much the attendance will be and how much people will show for the Mets or the Padres. You know, it's kind of funny the way the Padres and Phillies even were able to get into the playoffs, you know? And speaking on that, we actually get to another topic and that's the Brewers. Now the Brewers were actually probably the only team out of the Padres and the Phillies that were kind of like the ones that were supposed to make the playoffs, right, with their team and everything, but it's been a downfall ever since they had traded Josh Hader to the Padres, right? So they, since they had traded Josh Hader, I think 15 blown saves, which had lead that would be since that time. And the new closer, Devin Williams, which is amazing. He was amazing in the setup role. But with that, it really did hurt them because now you put in a guy that may not be as experienced in ending games, right, in a new role. So, you know, the Brewers really did kind of like luck out here, but they have a great team. They still have like next year, you know, they still have a former MVP in Yelich. He may not be the same player he was, but you still have that veteran presence and you still have all that. They have young guys. So they still have time to make the playoffs next year and a year after. Something else to know about the Padres is Mike Clevenger, who's number four started, just got on the aisle uh, prior to the post prior to the wild card for an illness, an unspecified illness. They're still waiting to the COVID test results. So seeing Mike Clevenger on the IL, especially coming in wake of the of the wild card against the Mets, really raises concern. How are the Padres gonna turn out? Wow, um Padres definitely came a long way. We, I think 
Me with along along with a lot of other people thought that these being banned was gonna be something that really impacted them, but I mean without them they made the playoffs. I think I think that says a lot. I mean they when they made that trade for Juan Soto, I didn't really think it was gonna be that good of a trade because just everything for just that well, I believe it was him and like two more players, maybe one more. I don't know, it doesn't matter. But I didn't think he was going to do all that good with the Padres, but he definitely shut me up and showed me that I was wrong. And um, they made it to the playoffs. So I'd definitely like to see how, how they would play out and how far they're going to go. Something else. We're going back to the Central. We're going back to the Central and up north with Kurt Suzuki, who just recently catched his last pitch and retired after his 16-year MLB career. Suzuki has been with the Twins for a while now, and he's been a pretty decent catcher for them. So, so him seeing them retire, it's definitely heartwarming for them, and it's definitely gonna be, it's definitely gonna be sorrowful for the Twins as they're, as they're losing a longtime player. Speaking of retired players, I don't really want to get off off topic, but. Just really realize now, the Cardinals next season are really not going to be in such a great shape when you think about it. Molina's leaving, an absolute num- great tier catcher. He throws people out first, second, third, you name it. He really, his defense has been great. Offense, not that much, but his defense definitely makes up for it. Number two, Albert Pujols. He, um, what is it? He, you know, he had a 700 homers, and he's like, nope, I'm gone. I don't think he needs anything else to prove that his career is already, what, is already proven to be one of the greatest. I forgot who the other retiring player is, but. Wayne Wright. Wayne Wright, uh, yeah. He's seen, seen the trifecta leave, especially since they've been with the Cardinals for a long amount of time they've been through they've been through 2006 2011 together so having them come into the 2023 season without their three uh uh hall of fame caliber players it's definitely going to be a weird shift for the cardinals but seeing them they they definitely have some young and upcoming talent next up we're going back to the west with the mariners who who have just clinched for the first time in 20 years. Last time that happened, Ken Griffey was playing. They were in a whole different stadium in Seattle. I'll have to say that's really spectacular. I think anyone in Seattle really finds that as a great accomplishment because really 20 years all the way, all those old people finally waiting for their team to get back in the playoffs. It's crazy, you know. Um, Julio Rodriguez, a really, really great player. Now, um, he definitely helped significantly with the Mariners' trip to the playoffs. And um, along with Julio Rodriguez, uh, I can't really think of anybody else who um, who helped them. I'm not. I don't really know the Mariners that much. I'm gonna be honest. Ty France, uh, Logan Gilbert. Luis Castillo, they just picked up this offseason. Um, uh, Eugenio Suarez. Suarez. Suarez, yeah. Yeah, the, all of them have definitely, be, definitely been key players for the Mariners. 
So having them go into the postseason is definitely going to be an interesting run for them. Now they're going to be facing the Guardians in the first round of the wild card. And whoever wins will be advancing to the ALDS, the, uh, the Yankees. Yeah. What's your opinion on the Guardians and the Mariners duking it out? No, it's Guardians and Tampa. Oh, the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. My apologies. We all make mistakes. What's your opinion? I think that's going to be a really good matchup. Um, if I were to say who to win, I think I think I'm going to have to go with the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have been in tough situations. They played tougher teams, and they've came out, you know, a little bit more victorious than the Mariners have. Mariners have a relatively young team, and the Blue Jays, them too. But those young players have been around for a little while, you know. So, what are what are your guys' thoughts on? No, um, I don't think the Blue Jays are going to win that one. The Mariners are definitely going to win that one, in my case, because they have a lot of young players, right? Their pitching right, is amazing, right? The only upside the Blue Jays really have is that they have Alec Manoa starting for them. And Manoa, we saw he, he really pitched like a scion for them, right? There's no doubt about it, right? But it's not saying the, the Mariners don't have the same thing, right? Assuming they have Castillo going in for game one, it's going to be a pitching deal. Vladimir Guerrero is going to have to go against a great pitcher. But the Blue Jays will have one more upside on the offense, and that's Bo Bichette. He just came away with like an amazing September. He did amazing. Like There's no doubt about it. He's probably the best player in September. So like There's a lot of um, key parts that have to go into this, but I do still think the Mariners are going to win this, right? A lot of people are going to say the Blue Jays, right? The way Bichette's been playing, the way the pitching has been all season, right? But... Mariners have that heart, and I think they're going to do it, especially after that 20-year job. Yeah, definitely. Something else to know as we're going back to the East is the Red Sox and the Orioles were not able to put it together and make a run for the wild card. The Red Sox is definitely... both. Actually, both of them are actually surprising for me, as the Orioles are have uh, Red Phillips, uh, Adley Rutschman, who is... Re- who is definitely someone I would consider for AL Rookie of the Year. And seeing them really just make it out with the puzzle pieces they have making it work, I'm definitely excited for them to see how they continue into 2023. Yeah, definitely. I believe they they came into just one game of wildcard spot, but obviously they... Well, they didn't make it, but... Yeah, they have a bright future. Obviously, with all the young talent they have, you mentioned Adley Rutschman, but also um, uh, Gunnar Henderson, who they also called up. As well as the Red Sox, who... As well as the Red Sox, who are usually a good rivalry in the AL East, having them not not come close to a wild card spot at least it's definitely raising some concern what is the management doing are they going to be able to piece it up in the offseason and it seems like they've already started because they have just claimed Easton McGee from the race from the race who's coming off of a who's coming off of a 107 and two-thirds triple triple a innings with a 5.43 ERA and 5.3 
5.43 ERA with a 17.4 strikeout rate, 4.3 walkout rate, and 39.6 walkout rate. Something to know about this guy reading about him for the first time is definitely that he's vulnerable to to having balls in play. He he surrendered 24 home runs in AAA this year. So having him in the farm system for the for the Red Sox, where is he going to go next? Uh, how is the pitching system going to train him? Back to the regular Red Sox. So what are your guys' opinions on them? How how do you feel about them? Um, there's no surprise. You know, Red Sox are the Red Sox. You know, no, no disrespect in any way. But we, early, before the season even started, um, there was a lot more going on with the Red Sox, right? People really thought Red Sox were going to make something or even do something this season, right? Right, every team that was supposed to do worse than the than the Red Sox and the AOE end up doing better. The Orioles were proje- projected to go last, right? Red Sox going fourth or maybe even third, and Yankees be right behind them or in front of them with the Rays and Blue Jays being the top dogs in that division. Clearly, that did not happen. The roles were completely completely reversed, and the Red Sox were actually like one of the probably one of the worst teams on the AL side. Right, there's not a lot of AO teams that come to mind that are probably worse than them, except for the athletics. Right, so the Red Sox were pretty bad this season. It's very disappointing, especially after their great playoff runs the past few years with Verdugo, Kike Hernandez, and then we all saw it kind of come full circle when they traded away longtime catcher uh, Christian Vasquez. Well, I definitely agree with you. <laughs> that is definitely a shock how the Red Sox um, performed this year, especially after their postseason run last year, making it to the ALCS, and definitely looked like they could have made the World Series. But major part of that postseason run, and well, all their recent postseason runs, was out from their shortstop Xander Bogarts and their third baseman Raphael Devers who should definitely be re-signed next season. Next season, I don't know how they just couldn't. Yeah, it's going to be a weird decision if they if they don't re-sign Devers and Bogarts. They've been the face of the franchise, if you will. That's what I was trying to say. They've been the face for like a couple of years mm-hmm. now. Devers being a good DH, Xander being an excellent short, yeah, Zim. Sure, stop it. Oh, yes. Yeah. Hey, you say uh, Devers was a DH? I think so. That's what I remember him being. No, he's a third baseman. Third baseman. Oh, third baseman. So having them on the corners of the bay of the <laughs> diamond and working together, it's definitely going to be... <clears throat> it's definitely going to be weird not seeing them in together, having one of them go somewhere, maybe, maybe the French... Maybe being the dynasty, but not a dynasty, Dodgers, who they already have, uh, what's his name, Mookie Betts, uh, and a lot of other power hitters. So having that one of go to one of the, one of the uh, French, one of the, uh, what's this called, dynasties, yes. Having them go to one of the dynasties, it's dynasties. It's definitely going to be disappointing for Red Sox fans and baseball fans alike. I'll have to say too that I think um, if we're talking about the the topic of Devers and Bogey staying on the team, I think they definitely should. They've led the team through the highs and the lows. They were on that I forgot what year that World Series team too. Twenty eighteen. 
18. 18. Thought it was 18. All right. And um, I think that if if they work hard enough and if you know they get the team a little better than it is right now, then I think that they might be able to go back to another World Series. I'll say this regular season was definitely disappointing with right now a record of 77 and 84. Terrible. As I believe they might be losing right now. No, they're winning actually by three. Surprising. Yeah, but <laughs> I'll definitely have to say that I think they could come back a little better than they've done this season because 77-84, definitely not old Red Sox numbers, but they could definitely bounce back. Yeah, definitely have to agree. And for our last topic, since we already talked about a ton of rewards last week, who is the Cy Young? I mean, who is the real ace of the league? For us here so far, we've been saying that it's Garrett Cole on the New York Yankees. But you have to keep in mind, he's competing with with people like Dylan Cease on the White Sox, uh, Emmanuel Classe, who's been a excellent closer for the Guardians, and Justin Verlander, obviously. What's your opinion? Well, I think that the race is definitely tough. When you think about really good pitchers, award-winning pitchers, you're going to think of old pitchers and younger pitchers. I don't mean by old, like really old, you know what I'm saying. Like Verlander, Kershaw. Kershaw hasn't had as great of a season as he's had in the past, but he still had a pretty good season. I think might not be award-winning, but it's still good. Um, Verlander definitely had a really good season. Now, um, what is it? A couple uh, younger pitchers came up, you know, Spencer Strider, uh, Edwin Diaz definitely has taken the taken the game by storm, you know, with his closing and how he's been. Uh, what other pitchers you guys think, you know, are really in that caliber? Um... It's clearly Justin Verlander. There's no doubt about it. It's it's JV the whole way. Right, you can make a case for Shohei even, but JV is showing some life that we haven't seen from him since probably his last Cy Young. Right, when he was with the Tigers, one of the best pitchers. Right, so like you can't even say anything that JV may not be him anymore. Like he's not the same guy just because he's what hitting forty in a year. Right, in a year or two, right? Justin Verlander is top three Cy Young right now. He's competing with Dylan Cease and he's competing with Alec Manoa. No doubt about it, in my mind, it has to be Justin Verlander. We saw his stuff, we see his whip, we see his ERA. The, the numbers speak for themselves, right? It's not even, and I'm, it's coming from a Yankee fan, right? He's on the Astros, no one wants to say it, but JV is probably the best pitcher that we've seen in a while. One more thing I wanted to talk about earlier. We talked about, um, well, people we're looking forward to seeing in the, this postseason. Obviously, we talked about Stan and Severino, but one, this is going to be a pretty big shock, but one person I'm excited to see this postseason is Kyle Higashioka. He has been red hot this past week. In his last seven games, he's got two home runs, ten hits. A 455 batting average, a 478 on base percentage, and a 773 slugging. He has been insane the past few days. You have to agree, that's definitely impressive. So, we've seen him uh, hoping that he's going to continue being red hot into the ALDS. I'm excited for him and for the rest of the year, Bronx Bombers to see where they go. On the topic of Yankees and phenomenal play, you know, 
You obviously pointed out Aaron Judge's 60-second homer, right? But what I found really interesting is now the Yankees' record is 99-62. and 62. I'll give you a second to find out why it's a little bit significant. He's number 99, hit number 62. I mean, that that's pretty, that's pretty phenomenal. That's crazy. I never thought about it. I mean, what if he hits a what if he hits a home run um, tonight and they go 99-63? I don't want them to lose, but I think that would be very cool. Yeah, definitely. As well as the fact of not them losing, it could be a 163 record leading in the in the AL East to end the season. And I'm pretty sure that's it. Thank you all for listening in. He's Ethan. He's Jorge. He's Donnie, and I'm Gabriel. Thank you for listening in, and have a good day.